Hey friend, welcome to Tuesday, the last day of May. And I hope that you are wrapping up this month um, in a good way. I hope you're ready for June. I have a little practice that I do pretty much every month. At the end of the month or, or within the first day or two of the new month, I, I have this thing I call a month at a glance. And I've taken my year calendar and, and priorities and projects and seasonal things uh, in, in oversight of the church and ministry. And I've put like by category the top priorities in each category. And it's personal and then study and preaching and teaching. And then it might be uh, administration of the church and then administration of the school and then uh, just different areas, fellowship and follow-up and um, different areas of ministry and life and the key priorities for that month. And so um, leaning into June and actually June, Dana and I are getting an extended break. And so I'll be for the month of June pre-recording a lot of Enough for Today. And um, we're looking forward to getting some extra time, catching our breath. Uh, we're 10 years into our time at Emmanuel. It's hard to believe to me that it's been a decade. It's been uh, the hardest and most wonderful decade of my whole life. Um, so thankful for all the good things God has done. Um, but it's been a an arduous journey for sure. So anyway, I don't know how I went from priorities and starting a new month to taking a break, but I guess I got to feeling guilty because I pretty much cleared my priorities uh, for the for the upcoming weeks. But normally starting a new month, I'm like raring to go, right? Because I've got all my priorities. So I hope you've got a good month planned. And as you start summer, I hope that you've prioritized time for your family, for your rest, uh, that you'll enjoy the longer days and the good weather and uh, tend and nurture the health of your own soul and your own spiritual walk with the Lord, which you're doing right now as we meet. Um, and stay faithful in your church wherever you are and stay faithful in giving to your church wherever that is. Um, and just, just keep going forward and growing. Make this a summer of spiritual growth. Decide that you will read some good books and that by the end of August, you'll, you will have invested significantly uh, into spiritual um, development, that you won't c- collapse into the, into the cultural milieu or, or, or fog of lethargy and apathy that sometimes overtakes people in the summer. Resist it. I'm a resistor of summer lethargy personally, and uh, I hope you are too. Hey, enough. Um, Uh, wandering and meandering. Let's get to the scripture. We're in Psalm 49, and we we read one verse yesterday. The author of this psalm is giving us the secret to not living stupidly. (laughs) Okay, that's everything up to verse 15 is, I'm going to tell you a secret. Listen up. Here's how to not be stupid. The word is folly, okay? And basically, it boils down to make sure you're not trusting in wealth when it comes to the most important aspects of life. Make sure your core trust is in your Savior, Jesus, as your Redeemer. Make sure you have a redeemed soul, because only then does all of your wealth, all of your opportunity, all of your life stewardship really come into alignment with the purposes of your designer and your creator and the grand story of redemption that he's writing. And we've talked about living for eternal things and for eternal purposes. And the the nucleus of that, the core of that, what's eternal are the souls of people. So as you love people well, invest into people well, develop people, and win people, point people to Jesus, you are living in alignment with eternal values and eternal purposes. So verse 15 is the turning point of the psalm because it says, God will redeem my soul. 
from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. So the escape from the stupid life, from total loss, uh, from total collapse, is trusting God to be the redeemer of your soul. Obviously, from a New Testament perspective, that's through Jesus, okay? But that promise comes with an escape from the grave. You're going to live forever. There's going to be no end to you, okay? Um, And God will receive you. God will favor you, not based on your goodness, but based on the goodness of Jesus that's been given to you. And, uh, And because of all of that, he will delight in you for the rest of your life. So look at verse 16. So based on verse 15, that my trust is not in riches, but it's in God to redeem my soul from the power of the grave, knowing that God receives me. What's the response? The instructor continues, be thou not afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. The word here, afraid, is literally frightened, but it's also a a, a revering respect or a dread, or intimidation. So the idea here is we live in a world where powerful people who are evil and often um, who are enemies to children of God through no real fault of our own, they just hate God. So they hate anyone that loves God, anything having to do with God. So if if um, if, if they're arising in wealth and power, if their rich riches are growing, then um, don't don't let it get to you. Okay, don't let it intimidate you. Don't let it concern you. Don't be detoured in life or dismayed, uh, or or um, or consumed internally with anxiety or fear. Now, this is the cultural narrative all around us. The cultural narrative is how bad people are in power uh, in many places in the world. And bad people, corruption, is dominant in many places of the world, even more so in ancient times, okay, when there were not representative governments and constitutions and and parliaments and congresses. No, there were no elected representatives in these days. These people were seriously, seriously oppressed quite often. And so the psalmist is saying, don't you don't need to be afraid when wicked people, godless people, seem to be rising up in power and prominence and wealth uh, at the at your expense, okay, or to your oppression. Don't be afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. Don't be intimidated by that. Okay, what's the counter of this? A confident life. A confident life that is at rest and confident that you are the child of the wealthiest king in all the universe. And so nobody's prominence, nobody's elevation, nobody's success, nobody's achievement, nobody getting a job ahead of you or a bonus that you thought you deserved, nobody stepping, trampling on you, mistreating you to get ahead in life. You really don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to be intimidated by these things. When someone sets out to advance themselves at your expense, and that's happened probably to everybody listening to this, including me, okay? When someone else sets out to hurt your name, your testimony, to slander you, to advance their own narrative, to advance themselves or lift themselves up, you don't have to be intimidated. God knows. God keeps the score. God God is your income stream. God is the one that lifts you up, that elevates you, that promotes you. God is the one that protects your testimony. So let God be your defender. Let him be your redeemer. Let him be the one that um, that that governs the emotions of your heart, and don't let 
the, the secular culture or godless um, rise of, of wicked people uh, get to you. Okay, look at verse 17. Why? For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Now, I need to bring this to a close for today, but just look at this. The author of the psalm is saying, look at that person as a soul with a death date. And when that soul dies, none of his wealth, none of his prominence, none of his power is going to matter. Okay. For the last several weeks, we've watched, months really, we've watched Vladimir Putin uh, engage his army unjustly against Ukraine and the murder rampage of innocent civilians. And it's been terrible to see. We've tried to help refugees. We've tried to partner with missionaries that are active in gospel work there. And so many people have fled. Millions and millions of people have fled to safety and are being ministered to actually today by Christians. So imagine you're there watching the rise of this wicked man. I've thought often that man um, is as temporary as you or me. And his wealth and power and opulence and riches and his oppressive power is on a short leash. And when he dies, it all dies with him. And look at this, his glory, the glory of that kind of person shall not descend after him. I think it's interesting that in verse 15, we see a redemption and a reception into the arms of God. But in verse 17, we see a death, a total loss, and a descent. I don't know if you catch that, but a descent. And that's a vague reference to eternal condemnation, eternal separation from God in a place that Jesus called hell, okay? So it's a it's a place of eternal torment. Revelation 19 and 20 expounds this very carefully. So there's a descent for those that reject trusting in their Redeemer, God, to be their atonement, and they choose instead to trust in riches and wealth. Verse 18, though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. You know, I don't want to get too deep into verse 18 because um, there's, there's more there than we really have time to do right now. And so let me just encourage you, my friend, think on what we've talked about today. When God redeems me, he gives me confidence. I don't have to live as the victim of the world's oppressors. I'm simply waiting on my Redeemer to finish his timeline and to redeem my soul. And that will give you hope today. Happy Tuesday, and we'll see you tomorrow.